This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Tech Guide episode 404. Hello and welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me once again and welcome to to any first time listeners. We're glad you found us and hope you become a regular listener. My name is Stephen Fennec. I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, what we can expect to see at Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference that kicks off next week. What sort of value are we getting from Netflix when compared to other countries? And Sony has finally unveiled the PlayStation 5. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Oppo Find X2 Pro smartphone. We'll also check out the Arlo Pro 3 floodlight camera and run our eye over the latest Belkin fast charging options. And we'll also answer all of your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Well, next week, Apple's Worldwide Developers Developers Conference, I should say, kicks off, WWDC as we call it, the Worldwide Developers Conference. And this year is a bit of a different proposition. It's a virtual event. I'd normally be on the ground there in San Jose for this event. I've been many times, many years in the past. I've been attending this regularly. But this year, because of the coronavirus and the restrictions, uh, Apple decided to, rather than cancelling the event, they are still holding the event uh, virtually. So it's still going to hold its its traditional structure with a keynote presentation kicking off 10 a.m. local time, which will be 3 a.m. Tuesday morning, uh, which is June 23 here in this, that's Sydney time. So... Uh, if you want to, you'll, you'll have to set the alarm clock if you want to watch it live. Tech Guide, of course, I'll be covering it all for you and I'll have all the stories up uh, when you wake up so you'll see everything that's been introduced. Now, you have to understand this is a, a developer's conference. So, of course, priority is going to be given to all the software updates. So we're going to see iOS 14 and iOS 14 for the iPad as well. Mac OS 10.16, they normally name it after a Californian landmark. We don't know what that is this year. We're also going to see Watch OS 7 and TV OS 14. So their software updates for all their devices, iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and of course, the Mac. And this presentation normally outlines all the new features we're going to see that developers can then utilise for all their future developments, their apps that they create for all of these platforms, for all of Apple's platforms. Uh, iOS 14, which will be for iPhone and iPad, is reportedly going to revamp its home screen. This is if the rumours are correct. The What we're hearing is that it will probably, it possibly offer a list view so you can see all of the apps in one place. You know when you're trying to find an app and you've got to scroll through pages and pages? Imagine having just a list of your apps so you can just scroll in one place. That that makes sense. I'm sure Apple will make it pretty stylish. The other thing we're hearing too about iOS 14 is there'll be more Apple Pencil support across all devices, potentially even the iPhone. So what, what they're envisaging here is that potentially Apple Pencil will be used, it will recognize handwriting on the device and convert it to text. 
Now, those of you old enough to remember back in the, I think it was the early 90s, when Apple tried their Newton product. It was a a tablet-like device that recognized handwriting, but was, wasn't the best at actually converting it to text so much so that it became the butt of jokes and was quickly discontinued. I think the the Simpsons even had a crack at it in one of their episodes, but it's become a collector's item. If you've got a working Newton right now, uh, you'd be you'd be getting a lot of money for that if you put it on eBay. I, I potentially would be one of the bidders. I would love to see one of those up close. But in this instance, uh, we've come a long way, and Apple Pencil with this character recognition the recognizing the handwriting and converting it to text that is apparently going to be part of ios 14 uh, watch os 7 will also be able to allow users to share watch faces with other apple watch customers and there will also be several improvements on the health side including heart rate monitoring uh, and even the possibility of detecting your blood oxygen levels through your watch can you believe that it's always been watch is has two main focuses I, I see or three if you count the whole smart side where you're getting your notifications and you can access Siri and all that on your on your Apple watch but the other facets I think are health uh, and 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 fitness it is a, as much a fitness device as it is a health device I think and so that you can monitor your training but now can also monitor your health it already can detect your regular heartbeats heart rates and things like that. Uh, and and it will be taken even further by the sounds of it with Watch OS 7. Not much else to report on other software updates, but there are strong rumours we're also going to be seeing some hardware introduced at the Worldwide Developers Conference. It's not unusual for Apple to use this occasion to launch new hardware. In the past, we've seen the iPhone 4 was introduced at WWDC back in 2010. We've also seen new iMacs updates. I think we saw the HomePod for the first time as well as at a Worldwide Developers Conference. So Apple, uh, they they do make use of the the event to not only update uh, their software, but also to make some hardware announcements as well. And this year, the big rumor is that there will be a total iMac redesign uh, this is coming from Sonny Dixon, who's been known in the past to be a, a serial leaker. He hears all these leaks. He has his ear to the ground. And he tweeted a little while back that the new iMac is coming at WWDC. It'll have the iPad Pro design language, which means that it's going to have uh, more uh, a flatter design on the edges. So rather than being a curved, uh, slightly curved on the back, it's going to look more like the iPad Pro, much thinner bezels as well. So you can fit more screen in the same space. The rumor is there'll be a 23-inch model. No word on what's going to happen with the 27, but... What I suspect might happen is that the 27 might become the 29 or the 30-inch iMac, but without it actually increasing its physical size or footprint because the bezels will be so much thinner, you could easily pick up an inch either side uh, and make it a bigger screen but in the same size chassis. So we'll be really keen to see that as well. The other hardware rumours all surround the iPad as well, the iPad Air. It's apparently going to be updated with a new design and a, a also a, a slightly larger screen. The other whisper is that the iPad Mini, which is still a very popular product, but only seven inches, the rumor is that the iPad Mini may be enlarged to an eight-inch and a nine-inch model. 
So keep an eye out for that as well. Back back in 2010 when Steve Jobs unveiled the iPhone 4, I was actually there in San Francisco. I was at the Moscone Center in downtown San Francisco. Now, this was the year, if you cast your mind back, those who can remember 2010 was when the iPhone 4 was allegedly found in a bar. Someone was testing it. It had like a fake case around it to make it look like the old phone. And someone found it in a bar and ended up selling it to the Gizmodo website. Huge scandal. This this leak was just massive. And the fact that someone could show off an Apple product months before it's officially released, back in 2010 when Apple, their, their secrecy was like government-level secrecy they had with their products, this was a really big deal. In fact, during these keynote Steve Jobs famously said when he finally unveiled the iPhone 4, he said, stop me if you've seen this before, in reference to that leak, that, that, uh, <laughs> the, the Gizmodo website and what they did with it. It was uh, quite a funny moment. That was also the keynote where he told everyone to turn off their Wi-Fi because he wanted to demonstrate FaceTime for the first time as well. Very interesting. And uh, the Apple Worldwide Developers Conference in 2020 will hopefully be equally as interesting and show us not only all these cool updates for our iOS and Mac devices and Apple Watch and Apple TV, but we may get some new hardware out of the deal as well. And I'll be looking forward to that. And as I said, I will be updating all of the news from the Worldwide Developers Conference all week, not just from the keynote. There will be other announcements, I'm sure. I'll be all over it and giving you all of the information at Tech Guide. But if you want to take a look at our story about what we can expect to see at Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Now, I'm sure all of you listening right now have been absolutely hammering your Netflix accounts, especially in the past few months with our coronavirus lockdowns and restrictions. Cinemas are closed. We can't go to the pub, can't go to a concert. We can't go out. So Netflix was our entertainment. And uh, if you're like me, you would have spent a few hours watching all these, binging all these new shows on Netflix, including if you haven't watched it, The Last Dance, which is a, a story about Michael Jordan and the Chicago Bulls. Even if you know nothing about basketball, it is still a brilliant show to watch. The other show that I highly recommend, that I recommend to everyone, and they all, to a person, come back to me and say how much they enjoy it, Ozark, starring Jason Bateman and Laura Linney. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, once you start watching it, you'll know what I'm talking about if you haven't already finished the third season on Netflix. So there's three seasons to enjoy. But anyway, while we're talking about Netflix, there was this really interesting study that was done by a blog site, Saving Spot, and they went through all the countries that offered Netflix as a service and compared them all. So what they did, they took into account the size of each, each country's library, they also took into account the different pricing for each of these countries and also looked at the average monthly income for that country as well. So they, they created a chart that will tell uh, that revealed the countries that have the best and worst value for Netflix, the cheapest countries, the worst value for money, the most affordable countries, most expensive countries, best value for money, and the least affordable countries as well. 
And the great news is Australia figures in these lists. In fact, Australia was, was ranked second most affordable country in the world for Netflix. So what they've done, they've taken our average entry price, the price for our Netflix account, and divided, they've worked out our monthly income and worked out the, the figure, what how much Netflix is, how much that accounts for out of our monthly income. And the figure was our Netflix account is only 0.17% of our monthly income. So that's, that's pretty low. We're second only to Norway, which had 0.16%. Uh, Luxembourg was equal with Australia. The United States were fourth with 0.21. So based on their monthly income and the cost of their service, it's actually less affordable in the US to watch Netflix than it is here in Australia. Now, they, they also mentioned, I did say that they take into account our library size. Now, our library in Australia, we have 5,349 titles which is, I think, second only to the United States. The United States has 5,879 titles. And so that was another figure. So they, they, they looked at the price. They looked at our monthly income, basic subscription price, and also the amount of titles, and also worked out our, the best value for money. So they divided the cost by the number of titles, to come up with that figure. And Australia was number five in that list for the top five best value for money. So for an average cost of five, five US dollars, $5.93 for 5,300 titles, that put us fifth on the list behind Colombia, Turkey, Brazil, and Argentina. So uh, pretty decent there. There's, what, three or four South American countries. Turkey uh, came second. And so we are getting a pretty good deal when it comes to Netflix, including not only our average subscription prices, but the sheer amount of programming that we also receive. Now, the top five most expensive countries, the top of that list was Switzerland, which on average pays for their entry subscription, these are all in US dollars, $12.40 a month. And that was followed by Denmark, Panama, El Salvador, and Costa Rica. The top five cheapest countries were Turkey, $2.78 a month, followed by Argentina, Colombia, Brazil, and Mexico. And the top five least affordable countries, the top, the top country was Burundi, where their Netflix account, the subscription cost, I should say, that, that costs 45.2% of their monthly income. So nearly half of a Burundi income per month, that's how much a Netflix account costs. That is expensive. And, it, and it's all, they all appear to be African countries that have all these really expensive, account, expensive accounts compared to the monthly income. Obviously, income is nowhere near as high as it is here in Australia and in Europe and in, in, the, in the US, but their account prices are still relatively high when compared to that monthly income. So there it is. If you're a Netflix customer... This is really interesting news. Uh, Turkey, the most affordable, most expensive is Switzerland. Colombia has the best value, uh, so that they, they're leading that. 
Angola get it the worst deal with just 391 titles for $7.99 a month. So not much bang for your buck there. But the good news is here in Australia, we do get a pretty sweet deal when it comes to Netflix. If you want to read that complete story, you can check it out, techguide.com.au. All right, there was a massive announcement last week in the gaming world. It came from Sony, and it was the final, finally, the reveal for the PlayStation 5. This is a next-generation console. It's going to be available in two versions as well. There's going to be a digital-only version, which will have an internal hard drive and the ability for you to stream games or download the titles to the device. And there will also be a version with a 4K Blu-ray disc drive on board as well. So you can watch movies on it, I'm assuming, but also play your old PlayStation 4 discs as well. I understand both of the consoles will have backwards compatibility. So they will play all of your old PlayStation 3 games. Not sure if it's going to be able to play PlayStation 3 games. Be good if it could. That'd be brilliant. It'd be like a DVD player or a Blu-ray player. A Blu-ray player can still play DVDs and CDs as well, would you believe? It'd be great if the PlayStation had that sort of backwards compatibility. There'll be a lot of happy customers. Now, release date hasn't been nailed down exactly, but it's either going to be late 2020, so this could be a really cool Christmas gift, or it's going to be early 2021. Now, the late 2020 release window was always penciled in even before the COVID-19 dramas and factories being shut down and all of that stuff going on. So I'm not sure whether coronavirus will actually affect the release date. Sony haven't really given us any clues there. The other thing they haven't given us any clues on is the pricing. Uh, and look, judging by the, the specs on this thing, I don't think it's going to be cheap. I reckon we're probably looking at around the $1,000 mark for this, especially I think the one with the disc in it might be even more expensive. Definitely will be more expensive. Uh, but boy, are you going to have this amazing next-level console. Now, I'll describe it. If There are pictures of it on Tech Guide for you to check out, but it does have a really unusual design. I've heard people comparing it to a modem. They reckon it looks like a modem. So basically it looks like a white panel, that wraps around this black interior section uh, and there's all these air vents that run up and down the edges, the the, the, jo- the, the junction between the black and white panels and the, the vents are obviously going to be how the device will be able to cool itself. And as we saw with the PlayStation 4, you can rest it up on its side or place it flat uh, depending on how you want to display it. You've got to remember, this is the first PlayStation release for nearly seven years. The PlayStation 4 was released back in 2013. So we've it's been a long time coming, the PlayStation 5. And from, from the, the computing power on board, it's going to give developers massive headroom to use the latest technology, the latest graphics uh, to make it so lifelike. There is there is a trailer of some of the games that are going to be released. We'll talk about that in a moment. But judging just by that, it's it's real. A real like I thought the PlayStation 4 was good. The PlayStation 5 is going to be a massive leap forward in terms of just how realistic these games and the characters and the locations really are. So really looking forward to that. Uh, I mentioned there'll be two models of the PlayStation 5, a digital edition and the 4K Blu-ray drive. They will have backwards compatibility. 
The device itself, uh, there will be two USB ports, a USB-A and a USB-C that will sit on top of the console. There are also some accessories revealed with the PlayStation 5. We'd already seen the DualSense controller. That was revealed a couple of months ago. That has this new sense, new haptic feedback that gives you even more ways of feeling immersed in the game. There will also be an easy way to share your content from the game, so you can share clips and other other items from your games to social media. There'll there'll be one a share button that makes that just a one touch operation. Uh, the other the other accessories will also be a HD camera which it's going to have dual 1080p lenses so players can broadcast themselves and their games at the same time it will also come with a 3D wireless headset which will have dual noise cancelling microphones and they will also be selling you a media remote for those people who want to use it as a as their entertainment system uh, if you've got the, the disk drive edition you'll want to be able to play your discs and control uh, that as well with the remote the DualSense controller, as I said, we've seen before, and there will be one with each PlayStation 5. Uh, it, too, is white with, with black accents as well, so it does match the actual console. So it was a dead giveaway that it was going to be black and white because the controller's been... I think that we, we ran our first pictures of the controller two and a half to three months ago, uh, and uh, it, it was a dead giveaway that we're going to see black and white uh, on the new PlayStation 5. Again, no word on when this is going to drop exactly. I'm still hoping we make 20, end of 2020. But the games you can look forward to, I think we're going to see Grand Theft Auto Five was one of the titles that was highlighted, as well as Marvel's Spider-Man, new Spider-Man game called Miles Morales. Grand Turismo 7 we had a look at, and that looks just absolutely incredible. A new game called Horizon Forbidden West from Guerrilla Games, that's also coming. Third-party titles you're going to see include NBA 2K21, some amazing screenshots from that where you can see the players. and It's like watching actual video of these guys rather than watching them in a game amazing there will also be some exclusive titles just for the ps5 including death loop from bethesda project athia as well coming from square enix lumix production i have put a long list of the ps5 games from the sony international entertainment worldwide studios and second party partners there's a ratchet, new Ratchet and Clank game, uh, all, all the the traditional uh, the Sackboy as well, all the traditional Sony properties, the PlayStation properties. Third party publishers and developers will also be there. You're going to see Hitman Three. I mentioned Grand Theft Auto Five. There's going to be another game called Ghostwire Tokyo and Solar Ash, The Pathless. So you can just imagine the level of storytelling they're going to have here with just these incredible graphics and realism and these amazing storylines and effects. This thing's going to be a huge, huge release when it's out. And it is also going to go up against a new Xbox as well. The Xbox Series X will also be out around the same time because Microsoft can't release release something and Sony not have something to uh, to also uh, to compete against it and vice versa. So it's going to be interesting. The, the console war at the end of 2020 are going to be a really interesting proposition. Are you an Xbox person or a PlayStation or both? Let us know. Hit us up on Twitter at Stephen Fennick. If you want to make some comments, let me know what is your favourite console. But in the meantime, if you do want to check it out, the PlayStation 5, it's a beauty. Check it out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. 
The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by our friends at Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. We currently live in a world where we're constantly connected. There are cyber attacks more prevalent than ever. There are phishing scams, ransomware, online predators, and big data tracking your every move. We need protection from these cyber threats. The cyber threats have evolved, and that's why Norton has too. The new Norton 360 gives you next-level protection, combining the power of device security with a secure VPN to help keep you and your family safe and private online. The new Norton 360 is all-in-one protection for your devices and online privacy. It's available now at leading retailers or au.norton.com. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Alrighty, first up in our reviews, we're talking smartphones and the Oppo Find X2 Pro. I first saw this back in March and it has finally hit the market. And this is a flagship level phone that I think can stand shoulder to shoulder with Apple and Samsung in that price range. It's it's a $1,599 phone, I'll say, right out of the gate, just so you know that you're dealing with a device here that has amazing features and provides an amazing experience. They put a lot of thought into the design and how a customer will use this product. They've recognized the fact that customers have this with them all the time. And often this is their entertainment device. This is their touchstone when it comes to uh, experiencing content on the move. And it's also their camera, of course. It's got a, a great triple camera system and a really nice design as well. Let's start with the design. It does have this curved edge screen as well as a curved rear panel. So this tapered chassis sits really nicely in your hand. There's also this subtle texture on the back as well. And what that helps to do is keep it free of fingerprints. That little, it's very subtle, that texture on the back. But it does come with a case and I thought it would be best to keep it in the case. God God help me if I drop this thing. I didn't want to damage it at all. So I kept mine in the case. So the case doesn't have have that texture the case is what gets all the fingerprints but if you game to use the find x2 pro naked like with no case then you're not going to have a lot of fingerprints on it it's going to look great the fingerprints will just be on the screen which are easy to clear just with this little wipe but uh, that rear panel really cool it's also ip68 as well so if you drop this uh if you, if you spill some water or something on it you're okay it can handle water and dust it's powered by a 2.84 gigahertz octa-core processor, 12 gig of RAM, which is a lot, and 512 gig of internal memory. Those specs are really impressive. This, that, that's kind of laptop-level power in the palm of your hand. One little thing, though, 512 gig of internal memory is good. Doesn't have, doesn't have expandable memory, though. That's one thing I would have loved to have included because, as you're going to find out, the screen on this thing is incredible and being able to watch your own content in that glorious, that resolution and at 120 hertz, that would have been great. But it doesn't allow you to have a memory card on board. You can stream your own content, I guess, but just having it there with you just makes it even better, in my opinion. The uh, Find X Pro, Find X2 Pro also is running Windows 10, but it also has Oppo's Color OS 7.1 user interface over the top as well. So it's not too intrusive. It, it actually, it, it is pretty light and, and minimal. Uh, the settings and some features of, of Color OS remind me a lot of iOS, the Apple operating system. I think uh, what's the saying? Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Well, Apple should be Apple should be very flattered. 
This is also a 5G device. So if you do uh, have, if you are in 5G coverage areas, you are going to see much faster download speeds to get to your content even faster. Uh, I was using this with a Telstra SIM in it for a couple of weeks, and I didn't see 5G appear, appear once on the screen. If it did appear, I wasn't looking at the screen. But the point is, though, 5G is available with this device, and it is going to kind of future-proof your purchase because 5G is going to be much better as the months and years roll on. The screen is 6.7 inches. It's an OLED screen. has the curved edges on either side to give you that edge-to-edge look, and it is a really eye-catching, really eye-catching quality Quad HD Plus resolution, which is 3168 by 1440, and it has a 513 PPI, which is pixels per inch. Now, just to compare this to the iPhone 11 Pro Max, which also has an OLED display, it has a resolution of 2688 by 1242 resolution with a 458 PPI. So just sheer pixel count and PPI the OLED uh, screen on the Oppo Find X2 Pro is also is already superior to that that you'll find on the iPhone. What it also has, though, is a 120 hertz refresh rate. People might think, well, so what? What does that mean? Well, what it does mean is that it, it offers a real, a much smoother experience. And by smoother, I mean when you're scrolling between pages or scrolling up on a website or going through your photos, you don't get this judder in the scroll it allows you to see things really clearly. Uh, I compare it to, the best way I can compare it is that if you're watching, uh, say, a sporting event and you've got an, a high uh, refresh rate on your TV, so you've got 120 hertz or 200 hertz on your TV, if you see some, say, a, a winger, the winger in a rugby league match or an AFL match, if they're running down the side of the field, if you can still read the advertising hoardings behind them, your TV has a really high refresh rate because the screen is still consistent even though the camera is panning quite quickly. If you find it really difficult to read the the, the hoardings, the, the advertising, the, what's written behind the player as they're running quickly down the field, then you're, you've got a lower refresh rate on your TV. So imagine here in the palm of your hand having a 120 hertz refresh rate, having that much smoother scrolling, and just it's just a more pleasing experience. Uh, they do warn you, though, that running in the phone at 120 hertz, as well as having it at the Quad HD Plus resolution, you do have an option of dropping it down to 60 hertz and having it at full HD rather than quad HD. Um, they do warn that it does wear on the battery a little much, a little bit more. But I, I thought, you know what, go big or go home. You don't, you don't uh, drive buy a Ferrari to leave it in the garage. I thought I'm going to use all the features available to me at their best quality, and it didn't impact the battery too much. I think it, it still lasts me easily an entire day and into the next. And the charging on this phone, you can charge your phone completely in in like 38 minutes. It is remarkable. You can go from zero to 40% in just 10 minutes, which is remarkable. But you can fully charge it from in as little as 38 minutes. So even if you do lose a bit of charge, plug it in for half an hour and you nearly got a full charge back again anyway. So I think the battery life, though, is pretty good.
Uh, let's talk about the cameras, though. Uh, this is a – actually, now, before I talk about the cameras, there is one more thing I want to talk about with the uh, the screen. Uh, it does it does have that 120 hertz refresh rate. It also has HDR10 plus com- compatibility built in. It also has a new technology called Motion Clear. This is a motion compensation technology that can actually upscale video that's 30 frames per second or less – and upscale it to 60 or 120 frames per second. So that makes it even look even smoother. So it brings it up to that 120 hertz refresh rate so it looks even better on your screen. We're talking even older content. It is smart enough to do that. Uh, and it, it, it is, uh, I've mentioned already, HDR10 Plus compatible. It's certified with 80, 800 nits peak brightness and a 5 million to 1 contrast ratio. And you know, for, a, for a phone screen, that's really impressive. There is also adaptive AI eye protection, so it does control the screen color temperature and brightness to suit your surroundings. So it's not going to blind you, make you tired. And also on board, so it doesn't just look good, it sounds good, there is Dolby Atmos through the phone's speakers. Now, I listen to a few Dolby Atmos bits of content on Netflix and on YouTube, and you can hear the sound going behind you, coming from above you, from the phone in your hand. Now, the, the downside of that is that you've got to have to listen through the speakers. If you're in a, like a hotel room or at home, you can do that. But the problem is, though, that you, if Dolby Atmos-friendly headphones normally need to be connected by cable, and there's no headphone jack. So you're going to have to cl- hear, hear everything out loud, which uh, not too bad if, if you can find a space where you're not going to bother anyone. Uh, it is a remarkable experience. I've got to say, I was very, very impressed. Now let's talk about the camera. It's a triple camera system we're talking about here. And there's a 48 megapixel wide angle lens, a 48 megapixel ultra wide angle lens, 13 megapixel periscope telephoto lens that can go up to 10 times hybrid zoom and up to 60 times digital zoom. And on the front, there is also a 32 megapixel front facing camera. So you're going to be looking pretty cool, I think, even for your selfie. Your selfie game, next level. And there is even a an AI beautification mode to really make you look as best you can. But the camera itself are very impressive. Uh, I did give the uh, I did give the zoom a bit of a go. There are a couple of photos there of some just some nice sort of nice some nice palm trees, and there's also a photo of Logan, my my younger Dalmatian, uh, and the detail in that photo is very impressive. There's also a macro shot. I took this really close up shot of this tiny jigsaw puzzle piece. You can see this on the Tech Guide website on our review, uh, and also too it can handle low light situations. Now I did a snapshot of our inside my home theatre, I took a shot of my life-size figures of Kylo Ren, Darth Vader and a Stormtrooper. Now this photo, when you see it, you're going to think, oh, Phoenix had a lot, got a light on in this room. That was near total darkness I took that photo and you can see most of the figures really clearly. You can see little BB-8 and, and Dio from the Rise of Skywalker on the ground as well near the Stormtrooper's feet and Darth Vader's feet. But you can make out all this detail and I'm telling you now, that was nearly a totally dark pitch black room. Now on the zoom side, I did give this a couple of cracks as well uh, and you can zoom in quite well with the 60 times digital zoom. You lose a bit of detail, but you know what? For a 60 times zoom, it was very impressive. It managed to keep a lot of detail. I did also do a zoom in shot of the full moon last week 
And you know what? It was the best of all the phones that I tried to capture the moon with, including the iPhone. The iPhone was probably the worst of them. Uh, I tried the Samsung S20 Ultra, the Huawei P40 Pro, the Oppo Find X2 Pro took the best photo of the moon, gave me the best detail, the best result was with the Oppo phone. Uh, I already mentioned the battery, the 65-watt SuperVook charging. That is that get you back to 40% in 10 minutes and charge the whole phone, recharge 100% in as little as 38 minutes. This is incredible. So battery life, though, is really good. It's going to last you easily throughout the day and into well into the next couple of things. I already mentioned that you don't get a micro SD card slot. That's one of the downsides, one of the only downsides. The other thing too, and I found this really strange, there's no wireless charging. You can't, there's no wireless Qi charging on this thing. So you can't put it on a charging mat or a charging plate or anything. It will not charge wirelessly. So although the Vook supercharging sounds pretty good to me, the fast charging. Now let's talk about the price. It's $1,599. And you know what? A lot of people are going to find that expensive. They're going to, I think if there's a customer with 1600 bucks to spend on a phone, they're going to compete with Apple and Samsung and whatever. I think Huawei's got a phone that expensive as well. And you know what? I've got to say, feature-wise and you know, pound for pound, the Oppo holds its ground. It can stand with these phones. With Apple and Samsung, it competes. Um, I'm not sure what the market share is going to work out at that, at that level. This is a lovely new phone with those beautiful features and, and beautiful screen that I've already described to you. Whether people are going to go for Oppo ahead of Apple and Samsung and perhaps a Huawei is yet to be seen. They are one of the top top manufacturers. This, though, I think has expanded their credentials uh, to stand equal with Apple and Samsung in terms of the sheer quality of their devices. Uh, the, they are, it is really special, the Find X2 Pro. If you have it, hold it in your hand, you will appreciate not only how sleek the design is, but also that screen is remarkable. The camera system works really well. Also, the fast charging. It's an all-round excellent proposition. If you want to read our entire review, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Alrighty, our next review is from uh, about the Arlo Pro 3 floodlight camera. I think I spoke to you about that a couple of weeks ago, that it was released. It is out now. It is available, and I've installed it, and I've used this, and I've got to say... This is a bright floodlight. This is a pro, the Arlo Pro 3 floodlight camera. It's the only wireless floodlight camera. So that means you can put this anywhere. It's got a large battery that can power the camera and the light for weeks at a time. Or you can add a solar panel and it'll charge it. It'll always be charged. So you never need to re- take the battery out and recharge it. Uh, but the, the beauty of that is that it frees you up to put this where you want. Other floodlight cameras require power. So you're kind of limited where it can be placed. So you need to have power to the point that you decide, okay, I want the, I want the camera here. Oh, hang on, I don't have power here. You either call it an electrician or find another spot where it can be easily connected. And you probably do need an electrician for those other floodlight cameras that need power. So the Arlo Pro 3, right out of the box, frees you up to put this wherever you want in range of your network. Uh, For my review, I placed it right uh, on my front porch facing the path and the road in front of my house, and it is really, really bright. So bright that I had to turn the brightness down to 60%, and it still 
very bright. I think you could shoot a Hollywood movie in the LED brightness that the Arlo Pro 3 floodlight camera provides. But that is a good thing, though, because you want to light up a whole area. In fact, you can even set your activity zone so you you can see, uh, you can point out where you want motion to be detected from. So you don't want to be too far out away from the camera because like a moving car in front of your house might activate the motion sensors that might activate the light. So I put mine so it's like halfway down my driveway and my whole driveway and all the way to my front porch that if anyone enters that zone, that activity zone, that's when the light is going to be triggered. So that, that's the beauty of this. So it's basically an Arlo Pro 3 camera, which has been elongated with a larger battery. It's the same 2K video resolution that you're getting. Uh, still all the same features. If you don't have a base station, so if you're new to the Arlo family, this will still work out of the box. So it'll work, it'll connect to your Wi-Fi network and Bob's your uncle. But if you have, like I do, an Arlo base station with other Arlo cameras, it'll detect the base station and allow you to connect it through that really quickly. The other, the advantage of having that base station is that you can also record your videos locally. So rather than only being stored in the cloud, you can store everything that's recorded when the motion detectors go off to the base station to onto an SD card. So that, that helps as well. Now, when I was setting this up, it was pretty simple to set up. There was one little snag, though, that you, for me, I was wondering whether I did something wrong in the activity zone. When I set the activity zone, I assumed that when anyone walks in front of the camera, it will detect motion, which it did, and record the video. But I think detecting, I thought detecting that motion would then automatically trigger the light on. Uh, what I had to do was go to another part of the app, the Arlo app, which is what guides you through the setup, and go to the modes section, and I had to arm the camera. Because that's a feature of Arlo cameras. You can set it so that it can, it can detect when you leave your house to arm itself, so you get notifications of movement and everything. You can also set it so that it arms itself by time. So you might say, okay, after 5 p.m. to or, or from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., send me any motion notifications because that's when I'm at work. So there are ways you can set up the different modes. So these are what they call armed. So the armed, arming this camera, you had to turn on, so you had to arm the camera. But what I did, I set the the sensitivity so that it would only turn on the light when it was totally, when it was completely dark. So I didn't have to really set a, any other scheduling or anything for it. So that was the only uh, mode that I had to tick the box for was that, when it's dark, I want it to be this bright, and that was, and so now I've left it on. It's always armed uh, in my home, so even during the day, it's still going to record motion. Uh, but I, I've turned off the notifications during the day, but the the light will still come on during the day. That might sound a little bit confusing. It isn't that confusing when you get down into it. But I think um, Arlo could have maybe done a slightly better job maybe placing those together, having the motion detection have that box, tick that box when you're setting up your activity zone rather than when it's in a totally separate, the, the separate modes um, section of the app. But that aside, that's that's probably the only downside of this product. It is really easy to install too. 10 minutes, you drill some holes, mount the camera, no electrician required as well, remember. So you can put this anywhere, aim it where you want. It's got a 160 degree field of view, by the way. So it's going to catch everything that you want anyway. Uh, I angle it in my, there's a picture of me in my front path and my driveway. You can 
see me waving to the camera. You can see how bright the light is too. I've, uh, <laughs> I I uh, went out at night just so just to demonstrate just how bright that light is, and uh, so, and it gives you pretty clear video as well. You can also zoom in on the video that when the, whether you're watching it live or playing it back, that two K resolution, you are able to zoom in and see things even closer. The video also has HDR, which is high dynamic range, so your videos are clearer when it's bright or it's dark. It also has color night vision as well so you're seeing everything you need to see and uh, the the LED lights are, are, are 3,000 lumens in brightness and we, we turned ours down I think it's like 64% or something uh, and, and it's still quite bright you'll also see a picture of my activity zone that I set up there and how it works the actual device itself it's like they've elongated the Arlo camera and put a little shield on either side of the camera. That's what that's the LED light. The LED light panel is actually quite thin and discreet. So it actually, design-wise, it actually looks quite nice. It's also weatherproof, of course. It can handle being out in the rain and out in the weather uh, and in, out in the cold and the wind. And uh, it, it's also compatible with Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant, as well as IFTTT, if you want to do easy interaction and automation. Uh, and it just really carries on Arlo's legacy here. We're, we're seeing Arlo cameras are probably the leading wire-free cameras you can buy, and the Arlo Pro 3 floodlight camera is a nice addition to that portfolio. It's priced at 449 bucks, worth every cent. I really like this product. To give you, it's, a, it's a floodlight and a motion light and a sensor security camera. It does everything. 449 bucks. You do get a lot of value for that, I think. If you want to read our complete review, please check it out at techguide.com.au. Alrighty, well, charging is uh, one of the themes of today's show. I think I've spoken about how th fast things can charge and batteries and all that sort of stuff. And uh, Belkin have come up with a range of accessories as well. Belkin, a friend of the show, they do sponsor our help desk, uh, but they are one of the leading companies when it comes to producing chargers. And in particular, they've got a new range of chargers called USB PD. PD doesn't stand for police department. USB PD. PD stands for power delivery. This is a new USB technology. It's fast charging technology where a higher level of power can be supplied by to a supported product. So the more recent iPhones, iPads and Android devices are capable of receiving more charge. So with USB PD, the Belkin chargers can deliver up to 100 watts of power so you can charge your device up to 70% faster than your regular 5-watt charger. Who doesn't love that? Being able to charge quickly seems to be the theme as well of, of all these latest smartphones we spoke about. The Oppo, you can charge it completely in 38 minutes. That's pretty good. So imagine having that kind of convenience with your products. Belkin have two USB PD products, including a wall charger, uh, that will uh, that is good. It has a USB-C to lightning connection uh, cable. You can also buy it with a USB-C to USB-C connection as well. So uh, if you do want to charge another an Android phone, for example, uh, it does does really work well. They also have the USB uh, PD enabled charger for your car as well. The Boost Charge USB-C car charger delivers 18 watts of power. The wall charger delivers 18 watts as well. But it does work so you can charge your car, your phone in your car just as quickly as you could at home. The the wall charger is really small too, so it's really travel friendly. It's really handy thing to take on your travels so that you can uh, charge all your devices quickly. It also 
also comes with a connected equipment warranty. So all any device that you're charging through the Belkin USB PD chargers are protected with that connected equipment warranty. So for peace of mind, you know it's going to do a great job, not going to put your device in any kind of harm. Uh, the other charging devices they've got, apart from the wall charger and the car charger, which have USB PD, they also have a power bank, a 10,000 milliamp hour power bank that offers multi-port charging. So it offers one, there's one USB-C port and two USB-A ports. So basically you can charge three products at the same time. Uh, 10,000 milliamps of power, which means 36 hours of extra battery life for your phone. Very handy to have on your travels. They've also released some new braided cables as well. That's one thing people don't understand. Cables are probably the hardest working products we have. The cable, we take it everywhere, we connect it all the time. It's a workhorse, so it needs to be strong. So these new braided cables give you that additional strength and also give you the option, of course, of going USB-A to USB-C or USB-C to USB-C, whatever you need to connect your Android device or your iOS device boost the boost charge braided cables there is one to suit you and in various lengths as well there is a 15 centimeter one meter and even a two meter and three meter cable available as well they also have wireless charging so it's that they're selling a 10 watt charger that doesn't come with its actual own ac adapter the reason they do that is to keep down the cost you probably have the phone your charger from your phone so you connect that that but that provides the power to the wireless charger charging pad from Belkin that will do the trick will be cheaper because you've got it's BYO your adapter which you already own uh, so it's $49.95 for the flat one $59.95 for the stand and let's go back to the top the wall chargers $54.95 the, the USB PD wall charger the car charger is $49.95 so all very affordable the power bank is $59.95 which is cheap for a 10,000 milliamp hour battery and the cables start from $19.95 so great value all around and also giving you much faster the charging opportunities there you don't want to be waiting around all day and night for your device to charge so maybe one of these Belkin products will suit you if you want to see that Belkin charging range check it out at techguide.com.au this is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec the Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by our friends at Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Does your Wi-Fi buffer while you're streaming? What about connecting new devices? Does that slow it down? Can you handle gaming, video calls, large file transfers? I get so many people asking me, how do I improve my Wi-Fi? Well, it's easy to do that. doesn't matter how fast your internet connection is coming in uh, to your router. If it's old and outdated, then you're going to suffer. But with the Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear, your Wi-Fi will feel brand new again. Wi-Fi 6 is the latest technology that allows more devices to connect and uh, you can eliminate buffering and eliminate lag while gaming and connect more devices to your Wi-Fi than ever before. The Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is like upgrading your Wi-Fi to first class. If you're ready, Netgear's best Wi-Fi is here for you. You can get it today from Netgear and never worry about Wi-Fi again. Check out the Wi-Fi Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 at netgear.com.au forward slash Wi-Fi 6. That's netgear.com slash Wi-Fi and the number six. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. 
The Tech Guide Help Desk are brought to you by our friends at Belkin. As we said, they've got some great range of chargers and cables, uh, plenty of things, accessories there to make your life a lot easier. Uh, today, we're talking about uh, the different SIM cards you can buy. I had an interesting uh, question from a reader who asked, Oh, they wanted data-only SIM for their travels and they were wanted to buy, I think the, the SIM they had in mind was an Aldi SIM from, from the Aldi store, which does use the Telstra network. And someone in the Telstra store that they spoke to, they did mention the fact that they were told that Aldi SIM cards only use every third tower, which I've never heard before. Aldi SIM cards use 4G, but Telstra SIM cards use 4GX, which is slightly better version of 4G. So naturally, Telstra want to keep their best version of 4G for themselves and happily on-sell 4G for Aldi SIMs. Now, for this person's purposes, I think they wanted it for their to connect to their caravan while they're traveling. I said, look, why not go with Aldi? 4G still pretty good. You're going to get a, a good connection there. And you know what? If not... If it doesn't work out, you're not in any lock-in contract, so you can chuck the Aldi SIM card away, buy a Telstra SIM or another SIM that might suit your needs. The other question I was asked too uh, was about uh, from a from a reader who was wanting to set up an outdoor bar area and was wanting to know what type of TV they can buy that can handle being outdoors. Uh, interesting question, and the answer to that is there is, a, there is a brand that I did come across called Sunbright. They've been making weatherproof LED panels for quite some time. But I did tell uh, my reader in my reply to him that there's that even Samsung is coming up with a new TV, a QLED TV, that is going to be called the Terrace, which is designed for outdoor use. So outdoor use, in other words, it can handle the weather, but it can also handle brightness. So all the glare of the sun and the weather outside, it can still give you a viewable screen for you to, uh, even when you're outdoors. So my opinion would be, I'd wait for the Samsung TV. I'm sure the Sunbright products are great, but Samsung's the number one TV brand in the world, and they're going to bring their QLED technology. So if you want to have a good experience outdoors with a TV, I would wait for the Samsung Terrace, which I understand will be out in the coming months. The uh, Having an outdoor bar area with a TV, naturally, you want to have a decent experience. It'd be great if you're out there with friends and family watching the footy, watching a movie, uh, and you'd want to have a great experience to go along with it. And that is our show for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Everything we've talked about uh, about on the show, you can find at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch, email us info at techguide.com.au. We want to give a special thanks too to our great sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Support the sponsors that support us here at Tech Guide. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. <laughs>